2: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything.
1: You're listening to Comedy Central. All right, let me wait. Tess, y'all got me?
3: Yes.
1: Oh, yeah, we got you clear. Sorry about that. I've been stealing Wi-Fi from this building. I think they finally
4: <laughs>
3: really?
1: Had a good had a good year and a half run. The, the office, the office where I do this, the the uh-huh. internet jack in the wall. That shit's still active, so i just been oh. rolling with it. And <laughs> You're plugging into the wall. <laughs> yeah, <Lips back>. straight <laughs> internet, bitch. And I think they got me. Let's let's hurry up before they cut the internet off again. We'll in now hiring the Boston Celtics. Probably going to be hiring for a number of positions over the next couple of months as their internal investigation continues into inappropriate consensual relationships involving team staff, head coach Ime Udoka,
5: Mm
1: -hmm. old brother Udoka, apparently been slinging dick around the
6: Celtics facility, (laughs) like
5: it were bean pies.
1: Currently on a year-long suspension from the teens, brothers. But um, more importantly, Neil Long might be hiring for the position of boyfriend. Fellas, it's time (laughs) to get your haircuts and your headshots ready. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I don't think that's how it's going to work. Got to give her time to heal and leave her alone for a little while. But About three years from now, it's going to be time to shoot mm. your shot at me alone. Man, let me go brush my hair. Start. Oh you. my
3: gosh. I so long. I I so long. I
1: My name is Roy This is my job fair mm-hmm. Now There's a lot going on with this Celtic stuff We'll probably have to talk to Rod about that It'll take Rod to unpack all of the chaos That's going it's, it's, on
5: That whole there. story the whole is built story. for Rod it's, it's built for Rod right? It's
1: fucked up that that story dropped The, the week after We did relationship mm. fair mm-hmm. mm. About banging coworkers,
2: mm-hmm.
5: mm. you think more people would listen? You know what I'm saying? We, we, yeah. we gave it to them. It it, was right what there. is it?
1: What is it you need to understand, JG? Is it because I, I don't understand everything about the story either?
4: Oh, I have so many questions, but I need to understand inappropriate consensual. What? Help me.
1: It's. Uh, I think mm. it's very clear cut. If you work at a job and your employer has said nobody can fuck.
4: Okay. Then nobody can fuck. So there's a nobody. morality clause or something?
1: Possibly, but they mm-hmm. that just may be company policy. Like, hey, if you work here, y'all can't be fucking. Y'all won't fuck. One of y'all got to quit. And it don't mm-hmm. matter if it's consensual.
4: But there are some companies where you go and you say, Hi, I'm A. I'm also interested in B. And we want to let you know about this relationship. Obviously, mm-hmm. he didn't do that, but yeah, it happens. But the- yeah, but this is no different than
1: last week when Third was talking about how some companies encourage, hey, we want y'all mm-hmm. to fuck. In fact, we after y'all, y'all fuck right. a little while, let us know. We'll put your name on the wall. <laughs> yeah.
5: Mm-hmm. Oh, we Mary. Which one was Mary. it though? Mary. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, okay. You, it's a process, ain't it? I'm just saying, like, ultimately, <laughs> <laughs> most places, most places, it, it, to me, the whole thing that's weird is that even if y'all had the clause. And even if he did something wrong, why are you just suspending him for a year? Like, go ahead and let the dude fly. Like, I don't understand. you took
1: y'all to the NBA Finals and you took the Golden State Warriors six games. And low-key, you would have had him. But Steph Curry was just literally ungodly, ungodly yeah. during that series. That's true. Do you fire a coach that got you within two games of an NBA championship? Or do you suspend him?
4: or does mm. that coach have a good contract and there's some other clause in there that he's already protecting himself with
1: see what you're saying third if this was the sacramento kings yeah get the fuck out of here
5: you're out
4: yeah, yeah
1: get the fuck on you're, you're gone. Gone. gone done
5: shit since. If, gonna, if it was the wizards i can promise you he'd have been on the first thing smoking you <laughs> 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 have been gone they got people well, to the wizards for less but on the same tip what jg's saying has a lot of merit like Maybe this guy was sharp enough to have easily the most ironclad contract in NBA history that they can't fire me if I make if I think with my dick, I can't get fired, basically. And maybe it's he had that up. Yeah. Yeah. It's a clause.
1: He knows his problems. we'll 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 chat with Rod in a little bit about that. But first, I. Um, It's important that we have balance on this show. And last week, we was talking a lot about that ignorant but naked sex action that be going on. Thank you for the reaction emails and social as well. It's important that we had a little balance this week. And um, this week, I want to talk about reading and shit. We're going to talk about the publishing industry and... We got two wonderful guests. They're going to peel back the lid on that occupation of what it means to be a book editor—not only a book editor, but a Black woman book editor trying to get Black and queer titles yes. onto store shelves. And um, we're going to talk with a uh, wonderful, wonderful Beth Ann, who's a very, very prominent book critic. What's that hmm. like? Just. What do you say when you criticize a book? Like, yeah, that story just didn't flow, and it, I would be pissed off. At least if you review a movie, yeah. that's just two hours of your life. A book is a Goddamn,
5: the book is a challenge. Two man. weeks, week and a half.
1: Two. It. How yeah. frequently do you review? How like you know? How do you review a
5: book? Back in the day, man, when I had to produce for for you know guys who review books for a living, you got to read about five books a week. Crazy. Um, how many? Literally, pages? like you. Oh, easily somewhere between one hundred and fifty to three hundred pages. Fuck out my face. <laughs> it was like going back to school, man. It was, it was, it was, it was a lot. I read a lot, a lot, a lot of very bad books uh, while while I was doing doing production.
1: I I read, but I've transitioned into a book on tape type person. Like That's I good. understand people who read, who, but you know, some book, some like tangible hardcover readers, they like turn their nose up at people like me cuz you know they're purist you know, they're no. page turners and I want to sit by a pool and enjoy a nice book under my blanket and all of that shit. And no. I just, I ain't got
4: Michelle that. Obama's book, Becoming, I had to have that in my physical hand, but I want to hear Will Smith read his book. So I get it. I, I work both ways.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to talk to then about that, about having a celebrity versus a regular person do all mm-hmm. of the voice acting and everything. The the voice, the reading, you know, what I'm talking, the narration. Yes. Yeah. Uh, for all of these books. We don't have a lot of time. We got to get into it. So real quick, first up, it's time for Cody's most outstanding employee of the week. Boston Celtics coach Ime Udok. <laughs>
4: what? <laughs> I feel a trend. I feel a trend.
1: Oh my goodness gracious. Man. Brother Eme, mm. however you say it, man. <laughs> Trash. Here, Here's the thing. Now, according to TMZ, they said that um, one of the women, or the only woman, that, so far, the one person thats that it is said, and I'm quoting TMZ, I'm not spreading rumors. We're not going to spread no rumors okay. of what we didn't nope. hear. It just mm, only confirmed don't shit on the show. I we don't, don't even like fuck it. with current events for real, for real, because right. i like for more information to come out. But this shit's mm-hmm. so goddamn layered.
5: Mm-hmm. It's thick.
1: They said that it was a woman who books the team travel, including the plus ones of some of. Uh, the coaches and players, including one Madame Neil Long.
5: Oh, That's no. messy. That's, That's a dirty messy. world right there, boy. That's messy. That's a dirty world right That's there. That's messy. You done flew in the main
1: chick and you the side chick.
5: And then you saw also on TNG, because we ain't spreading no rumors. He got caught on the ring doorbell, bruh. He got caught on the ring doorbell. <gasps>
1: I'm sorry. Break that down. They got the video. <sighs> who, who, who like see them snitch ass doorbell. Cameras. It,
5: though, got caught on the ring camera at the, at Shorty's house by her husband. That's all this stuff popped off. So
1: the husband is just on the ring app, watching his house in real time. And then ding dong at
5: the door. I didn't
4: know. My
1: head coach at my
5: wife's door. Right. And why is they talking dirty, nasty shit? Oh my God, they fucking on the front porch. Was they fucking on the front mm. porch, Ralph? Well, mm. uh, I mean, the tape, the tape stopped. Wait uh, a before, it, before it got to any point. But yeah, that's they, so online. So,
4: Lost, what just happened? Who saw what? You froze.
1: Who froze? Roy. Oh, the, my, the Jacqueline, talk to Ralph. I'm on stolen internet today. <laughs> so I don't, I don't who a choppy
5: saw way.
4: someone on the rain camera i don't ime, know the whole story ime
5: udoka ime udoka was with said team arranger girl she's married woman
4: let's go with woman we're not going to defame so or check. speak poorly of her no we're not I gonna say to, that either just, just because I just, I just, he's the one I, walking I, I, I around just, putting his penis and everything so, so this she's woman, look, okay.
5: check. Okay. To make, to, to oh, make I agree. She the story matter. No Trust me. She doesn't no
1: better. We have a guest standing by with lots of shit <laughs> knowledge to tell us we got to get through this. Just woman, so just say woman, third Thank woman,
5: you. woman. Okay. I'm getting pronoun shame. That ain't even my damn fault, Roy. <laughs> anyway, the point is, <laughs> the the husband saw Udoka with his wife on their ring doorbell.
2: Oh.
5: And he put the video out and that's how all this started because oh. they was on the video and they was talking hella spicy in front of the dough. He was hurt. hurt. He didn't think this through. Oh. Didn't think this through. You best not be cheating on the ring doorbell. How you get caught on a ring doorbell? No. That's lazy.
4: He didn't think this through.
1: Now, <laughs> oh. here's what I'll say. And I don't know how many of you have been a side dude or have cheated or been cheated on or played any role in a love triangle of this nature. What I can say, without giving away too much of my past, is that there is a degree in comedy, it's called commitment to the bit. This is where (laughs) no matter what is happening, you maintain a truth and your performance stays true to that no matter what ha- we're talking, Jimmy Kimmel level at the Emmys, laying at the feet of Quinta Bronson, being disrespectful, commitment mm-hmm. to the bit Commit. Okay. to be a side chick and be the travel liaison. That means you're in some instances at the hotel. JG, you have done this work on many productions. You are the point person who is talking to the people. I hey, to Mia, Your room is gonna be ready at this time. I got the suite, mm-hmm. I got the thing. There's a car coming to get you neat. Absolutely. And you see her at the event, you see her in the suite, you hey see her at the Celtics charity shit that's going on, and you gotta look her in the face, even though you're fucking a man and keep her straight. No, door, not me! You know you're <laughs> not me. Do you understand? The level of commitment oh. to the bit that you have to mm. have to be mm. fucking another woman's man and have mm. business dealings with that woman oh. and not motherfucking budge for fucking that man's and fucking that, wa- for fucking that woman's man and not flinching at all. For over a year.
5: Over I mean, a year. Knowing over
1: that she year. was getting
4: moved to Boston two weeks before the shit hit the fan. She probably helped him move. Email
5: Doka Stop
4: calling her that.
1: Excuse me. Woman who was fucking Email Udoka. He was there too. Woman who was fucking Ime Udoka consensually but illegally due to Boston Celtics. It's Boston not illegal,
4: policies. but it's immoral. But go ahead. It's not illegal. It's
1: immoral. We're going to get to this fucking guess. Woman who was immorally, but not okay. illegally, and yep. consensually yes. fucking Ime Udoka, who was mm-hmm. also part to blame because Thank he was a man and he should have kept a dick in his pants. Mm. You are Cody's most outstanding employee <laughs> of the week brought to
4: you. If you put it like that
1: by Sackleson State Community College. Let's get into reading week. Worst than first time. Let's get into this reading shit now. Reading This reading shit. That's what we agree. We was going to do in this episode. and shit. reading shit. Okay. And I think it is only fair that we start this episode with the person who was the reason that we're doing this fucking episode. True. This wonderful woman dropped an email and, that, and that's that's what the whole job fair community is about. Mm-hmm. RoyceJobFair.com, by the way, if you ever want to be a part of the show, reach out to us on social, talk some shit. Uh, Jacqueline will reply. I might not, but I guarantee you, Jacqueline will reply. I will. Even if you're a bot and you're not even a real person.
4: <laughs> I will reply.
1: Jacqueline will reply.
4: And I've also had to conscience. chastise A few people because they were mean To others and we will not be mean oh, to others Oh yes
1: please go out and fix the internet Go fix Twitter
5: <laughs> <right>? <laughs>
1: Let me know How that works out for you there, Chief It's important that the jobs that, you know, part of why we started this podcast was about learning about the jobs that you forget that are jobs Mm and in the ins and outs of those particular jobs. And this woman reached out to us about the publishing industry and the ins and outs of trying to get published. Mm -hmm. J.G., let us meet the patient zero for Reading and Shit Week.
4: We welcome Amanda. She lives in L.A., and has spent over 12 years in the book publishing industry. She's dealt with her fair share of microaggressions and radioactive Karens as an editor, She's passionate about highlighting black and queer authors, despite how difficult it can be to promote them. Roy, today, Amanda will be talking with you about those challenges and the other challenges people of color face in the predominantly white industry.
3: Hello, Amanda. Hello, hello, everybody. Hello, Miss Jacqueline. It's a delight. Oh, the pleasure's ours, I promise.
4: Y'all
1: done? I'm going to let y'all do your (laughs) bonding.
4: We (laughs) talked about hair before we we came on. so we're
1: good, yeah. I was, yes, I was yeah, was
3: we got
4: it.
1: Trying to be polite. <laughs> <laughs>
5: yeah, by the way, all oh, y'all.
1: Now, Amanda, when you reached out to us, I, I to me the email read from a place of more people need to know what the fuck is happening over here. Mm. So, when we talk about the publishing industry. Just walk us through your journey, you know, just from a worst and first aspect, just your foray into that world as a newbie.
3: I absolutely started publishing at like one of the worst times. It was peak recession. It was like, oh, nine. I. Got this job at Phoenix Books and Audio, which was at the time kind of famous for doing vanity books with celebrities. But a new editor in chief had come in; he was going to make it legit lit. Okay. And uh, they, I interviewed for like a assistant position, and instead they offered me a publicity manager role. Of course being paid a lot less than what a publicity manager mm-hmm. should actually make, because mm-hmm. it's my first time. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they they gave me a, they, they offered me a, a cool 38 and they were like, it ain't, it ain't going up. <laughs> Not even in two years. Ooh. Yeah, it was wild.
1: What is it about books instead of say, writing television or writing movies? Because books are the longest and most detailed form of story, but they're also the most difficult to get to market a lot of it, at least so it seems to me. So what was it about that particular genre of entertainment and storytelling that, that drew you to it?
3: Gosh, I think it goes back to my dad. Shout out to my dad, Ray Ray, because he only knew one thing about being a dad, and it was reading. So he read to us constantly, and he got us into comic books. And that sparked my love for the comic book art form really early, reading everything from X-Men to Archie, and then kind of lapsing as nice. a teen because shit was getting real toxic. Yeah, I'd just been reading as my primary means of escape after television <laughs> uh yeah it's a passion for me because it's an experience a book is it feels like magic when it's a really great reading experience and so that's always been kind of a, a thing for me is pushing people forward and making a mess by blending genres and uh taking chances on debut people
1: when did the duality happen if you just trying to get through the door yourself to now from what i can tell being a person who's trying to hold the door open to get more people through.
3: It's hard. And I mean, at first I had to kind of be a pick me to survive. And uh, that faded once my partner and I started our own weird comedy and comics anthology that then turned into a small press called the Devastator. And there I actually learned, oh, fuck, this is a business and it's a bad one. <laughs> it doesn't actually make sense. Um, and uh, when you're actually trying to play with your own real money, there's no margin of error. Game exactly. The game changes, mm-hmm. your choices mm-hmm. change, the risks you want to take change. And so we were just kind of like bumping against that constantly. And so I learned the art of, and craft of you know, coming up with the book concept all the way to having yes. to then hand sell that book directly to readers at like a comic con. <laughs> um, and we did like a mm-hmm. dozen and a half of those a year for a long time. So like selling
1: out the trunk, like a music artist, printing and pressing your own CDs mm-hmm. and then going out. Okay.
3: Got exactly. You. Nice. And like, we even had like an issue called crossovers where, the, the cover is like a chimera of like a dozen cartoon characters, and it's just very wild. That kind of made a crack. And that was like our eighth volume and the AV club wrote, up, wrote it up and we actually sold some oh. copies and it was like, wow, this is ah. what it looks like to be Congrats. visible, That's just like up. a smidgen of visibility. What's the A B club? Oh. It's uh, the onions, old uh, culture paper. I guess it's still it still exists, okay. but I don't understand mm-hmm. the corporate.
1: Yeah, but their opinions and perspectives on all things like fiction and lit fiction is extremely respected like on some mm,
3: New York
6: times of a Yeah, if you can get written up in the AV club, you did very well. Nice. Yeah, you did some dope word up.
3: Yeah, and I you know, and that was just like back in like 2011, 2012, um but that was like the first time I started to feel like oh, okay, people are reading this, people are understanding what we're trying to do and appreciate it in some way and that really You know, pushed us. You know, especially when we decided to open
2: it up.
5: Before you get out this podcast, you will you will give us the name and a way to go and look up this old stuff, so that we can go and revisit this stuff. Some of us might have kids who like looking at old comics. Oh hell yeah!
3: yeah, uh, DevastatorPress.com that website's still up. It has all of the stuff that we had that we done and I think a lot of stuff is also still available as like an ebook. book but um, I'll also send you shit, so let me know. I'm curious
4: about two things. One, what's your favorite genre? And then also, did you read Fifty Shades of Grey?
1: Amanda, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. She wants <laughs> to ask me. What are you about?
5: This is a valid
6: question.
5: Right? <laughs> why are your girls so horny, huh?
6: Jacqueline is all worked up
5: today.
4: It rolls into the point about how they actually did the marketing for uh, Fifty
6: Shades of Grey, which turned into a movie. We're talking about independent comic books, and you're like, You remember that book where the white people was tying each other up? <laughs> she understands where I'm going. <laughs> I, know I know where you're Amanda. going. I know where you're going, but you're also roiling <laughs> with secret desire.
5: <laughs>
4: I'm going to start showing you all my DMs where they say, Thank you for asking valid nah, questions.
5: I don't want to see your DMs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to no. see half of them. <laughs>
3: the reason that was that popped off the way it did was because it grew from a community it was fan fiction that then got the Thank serial you. numbers rubbed off and kind of upcycled into traditional publishing which like already was publishing it with like kind of you know holding it out there like mm, you know it, we have this too it's it was a whole yeah, thing they didn't expect it to be as big of a hit as it was and you know, so, you know, that's that's the the game, though. You're literally making lotto tickets with each book in a way, um, especially like from the marketing perspective. They do kind of see it that way, which is, you know, good and bad. But the majority of books sell under 2000 copies
1: to that point, Amanda, about there only being <laughs> 2000 books sold on average for the average copy. When we talk about the marketing and the dollars that are put behind particular projects, be it movies or music or TV, whatever, they tend to bet on what they think is going to do well based on what did well before it. But when you have so many new authors coming in of color, touching on topics that have never been breached before in the literary Mm. world, how are they or how are they not? Looking at trying to market, talk to us a little bit about the hurdles that you've seen within your industry on the marketing side of how they try to market black content.
3: There's a lot of fight, especially in editorial, as editorial teams get like little sprinkles of tokens across the board and they start asking Mm -hmm. the right questions. And marketing tends to kind of clam up and be defensive about these things because again, it is an industry that's mostly white, but it's also mostly white women. And there's a lot of just like propriety politics and, and fear about even talking about stuff. And so like the diversity and inclusion language has been kind of co-opted and bastardized and stuff. Mm. Um, and, but, but most importantly, it's still a cynical calculation. Anytime they do make, the actual risk and give a large ish advance to an author of color. Um, there's always more scrutiny. There's always weirder, um, problems with the cover design. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you'll get a a design spit out and sent to you by the editor and they're like, well, I don't know. The publisher doesn't want to change it that much. I'm going to see what I can do. And there've been a lot of people's hearts broken by like bad covers. Um, Um, and that shit happens yeah and with uh these publishers all monopolizing and there are just fewer and fewer options and a lot less people bidding against each other for things it just becomes even easier to devalue everyone's work Mm -hmm. and usually that's what happens once they start letting poc in they start kind of neglecting it a little and they kind of stop uh, spending as much money across the board because they've got to spread That's it up. Right. You know, there's a lot of just like weird uh, white people mental accounting that happens when they look at a schedule. If they see two books by black authors in a season they think wow this is like a really diverse season it's like you bro you put out hundreds (laughs) of books a year yeah uh there's just a lot of weird hand wringing and microaggressions and bad assumptions and miscommunication people not telling me shit because they just are afraid to talk to me. <laughs> um, so uh, and that's on them. Yeah. I, we need
4: to be clear about that. That is on it's always them. Their problem. You cannot be. Yeah, it's their problem. It, a lot of people listen to this, people who don't even know what microaggressions are. And we've been very fortunate to educate. But coming up to a black woman just because she is strong, smart and beautiful And you're like, I can't talk to her. No, that is your Mm -hmm. problem.
3: Go ahead, Amanda. Yeah, no, that is 100%. And like adding to that, that was one of the many things I would get is, you know, you're going to do this fat liberation book, but how do we make it approachable? You know, there's, there's like a whole thesaurus of weird ass uh-huh. words that white women use to describe how scared they are of a topic or a person and mm-hmm. uh and I, I feel like i've seen every <laughs> variation like of is it. that
6: not prudent in the sense of no business exists for the purpose of providing you a service mm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. like Like the purpose of all businesses on this planet, no matter what service they provide or what product they sell, is strictly to make profit. It's not to do anybody any good. Their whole purpose is to to sell you things and make money. And aren't they supposed to lean towards what's going to sell more so than what's a feel-good story, so to speak?
3: But Rod, you're forgetting like... The, the whole money thing is kind of like I think Roy was about to say, like, it's kind of there's a one B there. I think um, to them, it's more about their sphere of influence. It's more about uh, maintaining their position. Um, And so, you know, they're not really thinking like a business and a lot of the notes from the trial kind of out them as being completely disconnected from what they're actually offering people.
1: My issue, though, is that companies and it's very similar in television where no one wants to try the new idea. They want an idea that's like the other idea, like. I'm not going to name names about shows, but there are a bunch of shows coming out next year that are all weird versions of Abbott Elementary. And if you'd have mm, never gotten Abbott yeah. Elementary, then you wouldn't have gotten all these other shows that just want to be stylistically and tonally like Abbott Elementary, which means mm-hmm. that whatever the next Abbott Elementary is doesn't get a chance because everybody wants something that looks like shit that's already out there. And I think that's where I believe You know, at least that's what I think, Rod, and where the idea of making money, but we don't want to take a risk on something different to make money because it might not make money, and then we're fucked. But then you don't get a Jordan Peele film. But then even a motherfucker Mm. like Jordan Peele had to fucking have... 10 years of success doing some other shit Mm -hmm. for somebody to even take a five Get out was a $5 million movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That shouldn't be Mm -hmm. a gamble, but it was treated like a whole ass fucking
6: gamble. But it was. It was a gamble. You're not going to be a successful business if all you're doing is constantly pitching what's next. You know what I mean? Like you have to have shows that are already great or cookie cutter that are going Bread to lead and to okay we do five cookie cutter things and then the sixth thing we do is what we try to branch out because if you're constantly okay. branching out then you don't have a base and you're out
1: i agree with that that's true But then what do you do rod if the sixth branch out project is being quarterbacked by the motherfuckers that did the other five cookie cutters Mm -hmm. And they want the six project Mm -hmm. to look like the cookie cutters. And those are the people that have too much of a blind spot racially or creatively Mm -hmm. to even roll the goddamn dice on a five million dollar get out.
6: Exactly. Yes, (laughs) this is true. That's the only way you're ever going to get something new is by those type of people. Like I said, you can't just be taking chances left and right that leads to failure.
3: Um, With publishing, it's all about building a strong backlist of books that are just always kind of selling in the background. And, you know, for a place like Penguin, Before it merged with Random House, it was all those fucking classics. You know, they just put out Moby Dick every every two months with a different cover. They still do that (laughs) because that shit makes money. (laughs) Um, You know, so they they have the money to (laughs) float. They have the money to float for the risks.
1: So then that brings me to the final question. Then Amanda, if you have an idea that is on the outside of that corporate ideology. What are some tools and instruments that new authors can use to try and get their ideas seen, to try and get their ideas self-published?
3: Ooh, yes. Just
1: give them first base.
3: base. First base is, have you ever printed your work before? Um, that's something I, I tell everyone, whether they're drawing or, or just typing, uh, to print it out and edit it that way. Um, before you start shopping it around. Um, I always find that my printed out edits are a lot smarter um, because I'm thinking about it more in like a reader's eye and the also like, Mm -hmm. you know, the same shit where you like, you put a typo in an email and you don't notice till it's already sent. Like it works that way with a printed Mm -hmm. thing. Um, Another thing is to sort of open up your sphere um, socially, even if that's one-sided, just like, on your socials, especially if you use your social media for your career, you really should look up who the the like hit makers and the players are, as well as the weirdos, and try to follow them. and And you want to get some experience taking in the weird biases and opinions and uh, faves okay. and all kind and the politics of the thing you're trying, the world you're trying to pitch in. Another thing is to reach out to mentorship programs, especially if you're Black, Indigenous, person of color, especially if you're queer or femme, there are a ton of resources out there. There's also databases that people have put together that you can add yourself to so that when people are looking, they can kind of go through a database. Like Mari Naomi has a cartoonist of color database and a disabled cartoonist mm. database. And, and those have helped a lot of people.
1: Amanda... Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, and Amanda. Thank you for emailing us, and thank you for being the whole reason that we even did a reading and shit week this week. We appreciate reading. you. <laughs> we appreciate you. Thank you so much for calling into the job. Reading
3: thank shit. y'all so much. It was a, it was
2: a thank joy. You, Amanda,
5: appreciate. Bye. You.
0: LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to twenty-five percent your first year at LifeLock.com/iheart. That's LifeLock.com/iheart to save up to twenty-five percent. Identity theft protection starts here. Job fair,
1: reading week we reading and shit. We're talking about the world of book publishing. Big thank you to Amanda for breaking down everything she goes through as thank a book you. editor. Standing by is a book critic who's going to give us some game on the scams that are going on in the book industry. Mm. But first, time to slow it down here and welcome a brother onto this show. This is the part of the show where we try to give you a couple of things to talk about to your co-workers of the opposite race co-workers you're bored with co- just people you generally just can't stand there's always one person in your office <laughs> and you get stuck on the elevator with. you ever seen that one motherfucker on the <laughs> elevator third the elevator open up and you just gotta act like you left some shit at your desk i right. don't even you know. turn around
5: just instantly look, take the heavy sigh and every i don't even care if you know that's how bad it is you just don't even care you yeah. looked at I can't today. No, Mm-mm. you're just a
1: boring motherfucker, bro. And I gotta yeah. get Aww. the fuck out. I'm sorry. I gotta mm-hmm. fucking walk away. To help us do that, is a man who hails to us from Middle Tennessee. He is currently the Boston Celtics grief counselor. Oh my gosh! As he is helping counsel all of the various women in the Celtics office through mm. this tragedy,
4: but mm. mm. <laughs> none of the men. <laughs> <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. yeah. His mama named him Norado. We call him Rod for short. Rod. We don't have a lot of time today. This is a packed episode. We're trying to. We try like what we have to do. Rod, you know, after we do a relationship fair, we have to do an episode that has like real worth and like redemption. <laughs> Ethical <laughs> Redemption after <laughs> talking about fucking at holiday parties Absolutely. We turn it over to you Rod We bring Rod on this program to give you topics that you can use to break the ice with your co-workers you can't stand Rod what's say you to people
6: Well so, some of the biggest news that's been going on recently is uh, a lot of people are finding a lot a lot of weird things about uh, people's obsession with the royal family and uh, and a lot of their protocols for the death and something you might want to talk to your white co-workers about because they're more in tune with the royal family than anybody else Uh, one of the weirder things I discovered during the queen's death was a story about how the royal beekeeper was tasked with informing the queen's bees of her death (laughs) wait what? (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got everything. It's got royals and animals. White people are going to be all over this one, buddy. Um, yeah, John Chapel, the official keeper of the bees owned by the royal family in their estates. It's a, is a real job. He is, like, that's not only he does is for? he the official beekeeper, but this is apparently a tradition that stretches back centuries in Europe.
1: Really? But the, okay. I get it, the yeah, queen the wants guy. her own homemade honey, but why is he out he, there trying to Dr. Doolittle? It's which so strange, but
6: he the, has the to me. go in a hushed tone to each hive and inform them that their mistress has passed, but don't worry. Oh my God. You are about to have a new master, and they will be very good to you. And this man has to go to every hive in the kingdom and say this to the bees. <laughs>
5: That's the script right there. Like, you're going to, that's the script that you're going to have a new... Yes. Wow.
1: Does he say it or does he do a dance? Is that the way I do these fucking <laughs> dances? This is a fair question. i going to do a figure eight,
6: shake his ass, and turn back to the right. Mistress, you got a new Mistress, how many hives? Do you know how many hives? I, I don't know how many hives, but um, math. you can do the math on it. There's a, uh, He says he's in charge of about a million bees, and there's 20,000 bees per hive. He has had to go, and they're kept at two estates. There's one at Buckingham Palace, and there's another Hmm. one at another grounds. So he has had to go around and somberly inform the bees, like a doctor coming out of the OR to tell you a family member didn't make it. And he has to let the bees know the queen has passed.
1: So about fifty about fifty hives. My
6: question to y'all is (laughs) if you had a job like that (laughs) and they told you you gotta go around and let all the all the animals know that the queen is dead, (laughs) would you do it or would you Mm -hmm. just have to quit because you can't lower yourself that far?
5: First of all, if it's the job, you know, you got to do what the job tells you you got to do. So, you know, what I mean, if the job tells you you got to go and, you know, you committed to the job at that point, ain't you? If you're out there raising fucking bees like you, you ain't doing that for like two, two weeks, bro.
6: <laughs> I mean, you I listen. if I had a job working with animals, I'd do it. But you can't. <laughs> you can, I, I don't think I could last through it. I could take care of some bees as a person who's just a beekeeper. But if you tell me I need to go around to all the hives and let them know the queen is there, and you go actually watch me and make me do that, like, I'm not fucking talking to no bees, my nigga. I'm out.
1: But, Rod, you, of the four of us, Rod, you're the only one. You worked as a vet assistant yeah. for years, so you have the compassion. So it, it, I would imagine every day you had to talk to a fucking animal. It's gonna be okay, buddy. Oh, uh, hey. I get. I don't <laughs> imagine Rob would talk like that. Not it, at it's, all. It's, you're fine. <laughs> sure. I, 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 the most, the most
6: I would do was was pet them somberly. I would try to comfort Ooh. them. But I, I couldn't talk to them. I couldn't do that shit. I, it would make me feel so stupid and. Goofy. So wait,
4: how much do I make, Rod?
6: <laughs> I just couldn't do that. I don't. I couldn't see myself going around to hives going. Hey guys, um, you know you probably felt the change in the air. I just want you to know it's not about to rain.
2: (laughs) Unfortunately, I got some
6: bad news. Oh,
2: stop it! The queen has
6: passed. (laughs) No, not that queen. The actual queen of England. I know. I, I, I listen, I I understand. But,
0: Stop it.
6: You know, it's a sad day for us all. No, that's Man, terrible. If you guys wanna just take a break <laughs> from honey production, I get it. We're gonna be mourning for about seventeen days. You know, my heart goes out to you. I'm gonna go oh, next door goodness, and tell them too. I'm so sorry for your loss. I can't do that. I can't fucking do <laughs>
5: yeah. that. Oh my god. You see that? You saw that right? Did you see that right there? You know what that was? That was commitment right there. That was Rod committing to that. Rod just Get proved the, bit. the point of the doggone. Cody's most CMO. outstanding. That was brilliant, Rod. That is bit, that. All right, yes, Ride, sir. Let's
1: flip it up. Yes, sir. Let's flip it up for the people today. Get the folks something to bring up to their black co The
6: The biggest, the biggest news going right now in the black community is uh, Rihanna has officially been announced as. The upcoming Super Bowl's halftime show. So she is fresh off, you know, oh, yeah. shit. pushing Fenty and, and and all of that up through the roof. And she's she's had a baby now. She's working on a new album. Now she's coming. She's gonna do the Super Bowl. This is uh, this is huge. But it's causing a little backlash mm-hmm. because uh, she was one of the people Hi. who supported Colin Kaepernick and there's oh, a lot of people yeah. who still think black people shouldn't be working with the NFL.
1: Well, I, I wonder what she's getting paid because the rumor is that you don't get paid mm-hmm. to do the Super Bowl because they know that you're going to get a bunch of streams and it's you have ways to fiscally leverage that appearance. Right. So yeah. Nora Rihanna, she'll drop an album the next day or mm-hmm. something like that. But, you know, I understand the social back and forth on it. You mm-hmm. know, but I do think there's a little bit of hypocrisy in that, but you know, what you gonna do? You gonna
6: do? go through the Super Bowl. If it's hypocritical to perform at the Super Bowl because you're black, then it's hypocritical to play in the NFL and be black. Very
1: Not foolish. because you're black, but because you openly criticize this organization for having systemic issues that fuck with black players. And a lot of those issues have not been completely absolved and cleansed yet. There's been progress and there's programs and there's money and we're donating. And maybe that's enough for Rihanna, but I get why the streets are mad at her. It's
6: a fair. Them niggas gonna be watching the Super Bowl at the same time they talk about black people should perform. I don't wanna listen to that bullshit. <laughs> right. They asked Taylor yeah. Swift and she was like, no, thank you. But it's not because she supports right. Colin Kaepernick. I thought Taylor no, Swift Taylor was Swift doing it too. She said that she's not performing. She wouldn't perform at the Super Bowl until she's done recording her first, re recording her first six albums so she could get the royalties and not the people who fucked her over back in the day.
1: Oh, that's right. What I also think we should hold out on with Rihanna is that she might do something that pays a nod to something that's a little pro black. She's Absolutely. definitely for the culture, mm-hmm. but. You know, it, that remains to be seen. They're not gonna mute her. I don't know if they'll let her get as back as you little bit
6: of a of the Super Bowl stand up? No, are you well, not <laughs> just, I just mean, would you just be at, like if they just asked oh. you to host the halftime? But would you be like, nah, I'm with Colin Kaepernick or oh, hell yeah, I'm at the super?
1: No, club. I get the money and I'll use that money and donate it to programs at a state and local level, which are far more effective in ending racism. But we have to understand is that larger corporations aren't exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I I got
5: I understand that you all have issues
1: with the NFL, but what we must understand is that at the state and local level, there's so yes. many things where youth are not efficiently, but that's why I'm a part of the I See Me Reading, yes. reading Fund, and I See Me is a beautiful nonprofit mm-hmm. that makes sure that books get in the hand, and part of my proceeds will go to the I See Me as well as Growing King, yes. which is a black male <laughs> mentorship program right there in the heart of Birmingham, and I've been speaking <laughs> with Mayor Woodson. <laughs> you
5: think I'm not? So, 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 so we all know, the name of this episode is Reading This Shit, but the, but the underlying theme here is commitment, <laughs> God damn it! This, this is a beautifully show Talking about the strength and power of commitment, ladies and gentlemen. I love it. Oh my I love it.
1: The podcast is Uncle Rod's Story Corner. You can get it wherever you get this fine podcast. Rod, as always, sir, we bid you adieu. Thank you know, you. We'll get with you next week.
6: Absolutely. Bless up.
1: Scam of the week time. Let's get back into this reading.
6: Now, I know that
1: I don't know shit about writing a book. I have written a book proposal. I had a lit agent. Um, and you have a there's a book idea. And like the thing that a lot of comedians do third, I know, you know this, but like a lot of stand up comedians, a lot of bigger name comedians. And I'm not saying this as a diss. I'm not saying this as disrespect. Let me make that clear first. A lot of comedians will take jokes that never worked on stage <laughs> and compile them into a book. And jokes that don't work on stage sometimes read funny. I can't explain it, but it's a trick that a lot of bigger name comics do. Like once you're big, once you're established, just go back and dig in the crates, find old jokes, print them shits. And it's a book and everybody will Mm -hmm. buy it. And it's always fucking funny. But I didn't have anything like that. And just the process of writing a book, because you know what they make you do to sell a book? These motherfuckers make you write a piece of the book first for free, like a demo tape. (laughs) I (laughs) asked font size 12 courier new 1.5 spacing 35 fucking pages. And someone reads it and they go, your shit sucks or tighten it up. And that's how you sell a book. And that's part of why I don't have a book yet, because I just don't have time to keep typing 30 page fucking word documents. I want to know about some of the scams in this industry, I have a lot of questions about what it takes to sell a book. JG, who do we have on the phone? Clearly, she's chomping at the bit to come <laughs> in and tell us these scams.
4: We have author and critic Beth Ann Patrick. Beth Ann is a literary insider and influencer in the book world. Her monthly okay. columns and book reviews are available in the Washington Post the Los Angeles Times, NPR, and the Boston Globe. Absolutely. And basically
5: Democracy Dies in darkness.
4: (laughs) <laughs> Wait, what? She knows what that means. <laughs> <laughs> I do, yes. <laughs> so most recently, Beth Ann added podcast hosts to her resume with the launch of the Missing Pages podcast, a brand okay. new investigative podcast exposing crimes, scammy jobs, cancel culture, and controversies within the book world.
7: Hello, Beth
4: Ann. All yeah,
7: oh, right, <laughs> Jacqueline. <laughs> Scams no. and scandals. I mean, I'm telling mm-hmm. you, I'm chomping at the bit because publishing is full of this shit. It really is. Um, and yet, no one talks about it. Uh-huh. No okay. one, I, I, you know, ours is the first podcast to really mm-hmm. say, oh, look, so and so is just robbing you blind and so and so is doing all of this bad behavior stuff and you got to talk about it we got to talk about what makes publishing such a weird book publishing such Mm -hmm. a weird little thing in the world
1: here's the thing that I found interesting about book publishing now that I'm not going to say it's shady you just explain (laughs) it to me if that's how the market goes and the market now dictates blah 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 blah. I didn't know that your <laughs> audiobook and your tangible book are two separate fucking deals. Like I thought you write a book and then you go in the studio and read really? that bitch. And then they go, okay, do you want the digital book or do you oh, want the regular no. book? No, no, but no, no, no. now they make you sometimes if you're not a popular enough author and you stop me if I'm wrong, Bethan, you have to do a digital book first. And if that sells, then we'll, then we'll consider you worthy of chopping down trees.
7: Now wait a minute, Roy, it- because we're talking audiobooks are one thing and then ebooks or digital books are another what thing. What the fuck is the difference? Neither one is
1: paper.
4: <laughs>
7: <laughs> Break that down. Break it that always, down. Then. Is it coming through your ears or your eyes, okay? If it's coming through your ears and it's an audiobook it used to be that those rights were sold separately when you you signed your contract. Okay, so people were getting shafted by publishing because uh, publishing's like, oh, uh, we we don't know um, this is different, and um, we'll have it over here and we'll pay you like this much. They'll pay you almost nothing for audiobook rights. Mm-hmm. It's become a yeah. huge business now, and so agents have. Gotten smarter, and now agents negotiate the audiobook rights and mm. usually the ebook rights too. But let's so like a Kindle way. or Amazon
1: Fire tablet or whatever, those now things. that's, that's e-book. your
7: ebooks, yeah, okay, exactly. Okay. All right, I'm with you, okay. And so, the ebook thing about that is, uh, all right, those rights are usually negotiated in your contract now, even 10 years ago, it wasn't. Sure thing, but the audiobook thing. Let's say you've written a book; it's all about your life. You are dying to read this book out loud because you want to show your heart to the world, right? Doesn't mean you will. They might get some actor, sometimes someone really good, uh-huh. but you know what? A lot of audiobooks. I don't know, Jacqueline, if you listen to them, you know, Roy third, if you listen to audiobooks, books, yeah. you can have a bad narrator and that can ruin the whole thing. Oh, some of them Amen. motherfuckers can't read. They don't know how to read. Absolutely. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. No, they don't. So they you have to be really careful syllables. about oh those rights. Gosh. So if you're, if you're, so what did you say, Roy? I'm sorry. I'm such Some a of them talker.
1: celebrities who read their own autobiographies be struggling through them syllables. <laughs>
7: <laughs> I, I know uh, a few cases of which you speak. When we're talking
1: about IP, it just sounds like the book industry, to some degree, has a little bit of the duplicitousness of the record industry, but it's not as exploitive because the sales aren't necessarily one to one of a book versus, you know, actual music rights and royalties and mechanical royalties and writing royalties into perpetuity, blah, 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 blah. blah. But it just seems like. Has the as the way the the publishing industry has been set up now with a hard copy, ebook, and audiobook are those new barriers of entry? Are those used as new sales barriers of entry for new authors?
7: You know that is such an interesting question because they will say no. They will say, oh, we bring everything out together. But mm-hmm. you know what? If a book is selling really well in hardcover, they're going to delay that paperback. If your book oh. comes out quickly in paperback, it means the hardcover sales were disappointing. Oh. We're hoping we're going get, to get our money from you now. And then, you know, usually now the audiobook will come out at the same time. Uh, they're getting away from the separate releases, but let me tell you advances. See, I don't know how this works in music, right? I don't know anything about this, but in the book industry, Mm -hmm. you get this quote unquote advance. And so you hear about people getting, you know, $500,000 for their book or whatever. Well, you don't get $500,000 deposited that day. You get a quarter of $500,000 deposited. And then maybe you get a quarter when your manuscript's accepted and blah, 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 and on and goes. And there are all these things that publishing calls bonuses. And I've just been mm-hmm. sitting in court for this mm-hmm. Department of Justice versus Penguin Random House trial. I've been um, covering it for Publishers Weekly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. And let me just tell you, without going too far into that, because I don't want to bore you to death, but... No. Um, They'll get a lot of questions, and these uh, literary agents and publishers, they'll get these questions like, well, how is an author compensated? And they'll say something like this, Roy. Well, we give them an advance, but sometimes the agents negotiate a bonus. And then the attorney says, so what's a bonus? <laughs> uh and, you know, it's just like, oh, well, it's what we give people. Well, what do you mean it's what we give people? Well, if we think this is going to happen or it, it is all, I swear, dark magic.
5: You know, I'm, I'm just. And it is here just, here just like the record
1: you. industry. Just. <laughs>
5: <here>. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I'm sitting here listening to you, Beth, and I'm absolutely intrigued. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I know that you were. Talking about books and stuff, but uh, the drama of the of the secret world of publishing right now uh, has gotten me because, I mean, if you work, if you have been able to go to some of the parties that they throw for some of the authors and some of the stuff like that, you would never believe that some of these books, some of these parties are stupid lavish, like they spend a lot of money and stuff. And it's a book. And unfortunately, I say again, unfortunately, people just don't read hardcore books anymore like that. But when they do some of these launches, man, it's bananas. And it's like, how do they spend all this money just for a book?
1: Yeah, it's it's wild in that the book industry is set up in a way where, OK, we gave you half a meal, which means you don't touch shit until we get you don't get a dollar until we make back our half a meal, which is why they I've noticed with a lot of my friends who are authors they are always stressing for people to write four words for them. You have to get endorsements and apparently explain to me the concept or explain to me why pre-sale numbers are so important to books, because that's another thing about books is that that's, it's an interesting metric by which they measure the potential success and longevity of a project and whether or not to even invest more advertising and to give another PR push to a book in week two and week three movies are not about pre-sale tickets. If it's a tentpole, Marvel, whatever the fuck, fine. People are going to buy tickets out up front for that. But for the most part, Box office is about what happened once the movie drops. Sound scan and record scales or record sales are about what happened with the streams, the day, the mm-hmm. song. That's when we start counting. But it seems with books, it's well, how many people already want it? It's like, <laughs> like God you, damn, know what? I- you
7: know more about publishing than I do, Roy. You are so right about pre-sales. You're so right about pre-orders. And here's the thing. Um so, there was an author, you might know of him. Um, he was on the stand last week. His name is Charles Duhigg. He wrote The Power of Habit. Look power at habit. that. Yes. Everyone loves The Power of Habit. And so, one of the things he was Rebels. saying that in the actual, like, just tweeting it, people were like, oh, he sounds so spoiled. And I'm like, no, because here's what he said. He said, your advance doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just like sunk cost for the publisher. And yeah, you get some money and it's great if you get a lot of money, but where you make your money really is in sales. And what he means by this is exactly, Roy, what you're asking. You know, that's why publishers look at those pre-orders and that's where they make a lot of these decisions about marketing and advertising and distribution that really can make or break a book. Right. So, Mm. you know, sure. If they give you a million dollars, take it. I'm not saying that that advance doesn't matter to you, but -hmm. what matters is 65
1: million. Thank you. There you go. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Sixty
7: five million. But you know what? That book probably will go on to make so much more. And like Duhigg said, he has made five million dollars after a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar advance on sales. Damn! Right. So, yeah. if you look, if you you are careful about those pre-orders, if you make sure people know how to pre-order your book, if you you know pump it up before publication, if you really pay attention to that, you can make a huge difference to the long tail. But
1: then this is good stuff after the break. I want we we need to talk about how new authors can break into the game if they are trying to get their books out there. What can you do if you got a book and an ideas? The job fair. We'll be right back.
2: Do you love fashion? Do you love getting compliments on how well you're dressed? Are you always seeking the latest trends? Then we're talking to you.
0: Your perfect home, sweet home.
1: Job fair. We are rounding third and headed for home. We're talking books and reading and shit. Book publishing. Go ahead, JG.
4: Bethane, can you go back even further? because I wanted to read Michelle Obama's book by hand. I read Paul uh-huh. Mooney's book by hand, but I also sure. know there are some amazing authors out there that don't have those big names. How do they get in the game, Bethann?
7: Oh boy, you get in the game uh, by finding yourself an agent. Now that's definitely different
1: still- from the music industry. You can't stand on the corner with a book like a demo tape. <laughs> Hey, you wanna, no, you want to listen to my book?
7: Yeah, <laughs> <I gotta laughs> I'll, I'll read it to like you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you know, you have to find an agent and this is tedious. OK, okay. Um, it, it's tedious finding an agent. You have to submit your like Roy's proposal or if you want to write fiction, your first, I don't know, 25 or 50 pages. It varies from agent to agent. So sometimes you're going to be sending out like 75, 200 queries to agents. And here's the thing. Everyone's like, oh, boo-hoo-hoo, I got five more rejections today from agents. And I'm like, look, that is okay because you're only ever going to work with one people have to remember that you don't work with 10 agents at a time, you work with one. So wait for the right one. Be patient. You know, if you really have written something worth saying, it's worth waiting, you know, a year, two years, even more than that to find the agent you want to work with. So once you've done that, and I don't, again, don't want to bore you all to death, but then your agent has to you know, pull up his or her big girl pants and get in there and start negotiating with editors. And this is part of the problem with publishing. It's all based on trust and relationships. Mm-hmm. And how do That's people business. form those relationships? Oh, I think mm-hmm. I'm going to say a, wor- a a dirty word. Privilege.
2: Oh.
5: <laughs> well played.
1: I was gonna guess drugs, but okay. Privileges I actually. had
5: No idea where she was going. No. So, she threw absolutely. me off with that. I like, it. I like it. Do you mind dropping a little bit more on us about your podcast? Um oh, I, I'd love I wanna to. know a little bit more about what you're doing with that. Missing pages. Um, yes.
7: Oh, fantastic. Well, missing pages is it's it's a, a collaboration. Between members of a small army at the podglomerate. So, um, the CEO, Jeff Umbro, had this idea that he wanted to do sort of a page six for books. And um, he found me and he liked my voice and he liked my resume. And I said, Look, I'm really interested in this, Jeff. But if we work past, you know, a few weeks here, I've got. Some deeper issues I want to cover in this. You know, I want to talk about the problems in the publishing industry about privilege, around diversity, around inclusion, accessibility, all of this stuff. And he okay. brought on this brilliant showrunner. Her name's Kayla Lippman. Mm-hmm. And she, with my producer, Jordan Aaron, and my wonderful writer, Matt Keeley, we all came together and made this show not just about scams and scandals, but about why scams and scandals like this can take place okay so um we're looking at things like for instance um the the woman in the window was a big bestseller four or five years ago and its author was um aj finn but aj finn was really a book editor named dan mallory and dan mallory well let's just say he lied a little bit no more spoilers than that but It's a pretty interesting show. And then we have um, another one about this it girl in New York named Caroline Calloway. She was like the Mm. queen of the West Village, big influencer, big Instagrammer. And she got a huge advance to write a memoir at Random House. And not only did she never write the memoir, but in order to pay back the advance, she decided – I'm not going to tell you anything more than this, but she opened an OnlyFans account to pay oh, back gotta the Gotta bust advance. it open. Let's F-A-N. go.
1: You gotta bust it open. Let's go. Bust it open. And let's go. And then of course, Hey, Bethan,
5: hey, Beth, make sure you make sure you send me uh, send me the name of that table picture. Oh yes, made, absolutely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <does>.
1: <laughs> and that's not to count the scores of authors that have a deal, get in advance, and say something wild, get canceled, and then they have their book deals taken from them or have their titles pulled from the shelves. We. Definitely. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Is missing pages. Your debut memoir, Life B, published by Counterpoint. We can expect that in May twenty twenty three. We'll give you some pre sales to make sure that these motherfuckers give you a digital book, and an ebook, and an audio book too. Ain't gonna
7: let them do you like that, that, Bethan. We want all three
1: of Life B. Money,
5: Bethan. Get Get that that money. money. Sorry for cussing. Get that money. Respectfully.
7: Oh, you guys. Thank you so
4: much.
1: Thank you. Uh, You can follow her on all of her socials at The Book Maven. The Book Maven. If you want to talk books and gossip a little bit, Bethann, thank you so much for coming on the job fair. We appreciate you. Thank you for coming on reading week, reading and shit.
7: Read and uh, yeah. you, yes. <laughs> sorry, reading and shit week. Thank you, Roy, sir, and Jacqueline.
5: Reading shit. Reading shit week sounds a little weird. That's, that's like, weird. We already had like a week where we talked shit, but now let's reading it. Uh, that's like reading a book on the toilet, right? Is that the same thing? Uh, no,
1: it we need is. Your, oh, we need your toilet it. book picks next time we have them on. Toilet book
7: I. This is. Wait, wait. I wrote an Uncle John's Bathroom Reader, and I am going. Next time you have me on, I will read some. Selections from that. But Come well, back,
5: man. Beautiful. I'm need that, man. I would and love I'm need that. We to, to you about Quan Mills and Hood Lit, but I'm gonna let it go for right yes. now. Yeah, we'll oh, talk yeah.
1: about Black yeah. Lit later. Thank you so much, man. Look got ben.
5: excited. She got, <laughs> she got excited about
1: it. I will bring you back. Royce Fair is a product of iHeartMedia, Comedy Central, Paramount, and South Park, and Princeton Productions. Thank you, as always, Rod. Uh, appreciate you for the reading and shit stories this week. And um. <laughs> You know, next week we'll we'll try and do it again. And uh, maybe next week, Jacqueline will break her consecutive week streak of asking freaky-ass questions that ain't got shit to do
5: with the topic freaky at hand.
4: <laughs>
5: Is that what we doing? These or- are valid. I mean, whatever. That's okay.
1: <laughs> this has been a Comedy Central podcast. Ow.